0: Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. There is a heavenly city that I'm compelled to find Okay, 1 John 1, 5 through 6. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. We've been in a series the last few weeks in First John First John is special to me because the call that John gives in this letter is also my story. I didn't realize that as I walked it out, but maybe that's part of what it means in Hebrews when it says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The last three weeks of this teaching in First John have felt as though God's been handing me a gift and a framework to remind me and show me that what he's led me through the last four and a half years has been real, and I'm not crazy, and I'm not the only one trying to figure out if I'm a real Christian. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really humbled to get to share my story with you today and to boast in our God. I grew up in the church, I'm a pastor's granddaughter, I was baptized in my grandparents' pool when I was about eight years old, I come from a very charismatic background where the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit were always talked about and practiced and for me became equivalent to evidence that I was near God and that something was being done right. Worship became a place where I saw an experience and an emotional high, yet more evidence that I was near God and something was being done right. And as a high school student, I was full of zeal, ready to see God's kingdom flood the earth. In 2015, after I graduated high school, I went off to Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, where I was set on becoming a missionary to the nations. And what's funny is I just realized last night that today, October 1st, marks eight years exactly since I left for YWAM, so that feels special. When I set off for YWAM, I genuinely loved God, and I learned so much about who he is in this school and out on the mission field. The culture of YWAM and atmosphere of YWAM was very similar to the church I grew up in, and I felt right at home. Then in 2017, I started attending Radiant, and I would serve in youth ministry for the next three years. This was another thing I really loved, and again, I learned so much about who God is during this season of my life, and I made great friends and found a community of like-minded people that I felt I could run with forever. But here's the unexpected thing in all of this. Intellectually, I knew that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I believed that Jesus is the son of God and that he died on the cross for my sins, that he resurrected on the third day, defeating sin and death, and is now seated at the right hand of God, reconciling me with God forever. But to my surprise, this was not the gospel I internalized And it certainly was not the one I was living out. The gospel I internalized and lived from told me that if I participated in all the spiritual gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and if I evangelized and did mission work and made disciples, and if I had a cathartic worship experience and went to prayer nights, and if I followed the right teachers and the right prophets and did all the right things, then I would be a good Christian and then I'd be saved. I would be righteous and justified and accepted before God, before man, and before my own self. Then in January 2019, I was about 22 years old. I was sitting in the quiet of my room, minding my own business, and an image came to my mind. I saw myself looking in a mirror, my face pristine like a china doll, smiling a plastered smile back at me, and I thought that I looked beautiful. I'd never seen myself look so put together. But then, in this image in my mind, a piece of skin in the corner of my face began to slowly peel away, and in one whole piece, the china doll face I'd been staring at fell away to the floor, a mask revealing rotten, oozing, decaying flesh behind it. And I knew instantly what I was really looking at. This was the true state of myself, my sinful nature, a thing I'd hidden away in self-protection behind a false self a long time ago, a thing God was showing me so mercifully for the very first time after years of pursuing him, Doing good and big things for him, doing a discipleship school, serving as a missionary, serving in my church, never outrightly rebelling or doing anything wrong, or never sinning, or so I believed. I vividly remember when I was in high school and in YWAM, and even while I served in youth ministry here at Radiant, and there'd be some call to repentance, and I'd rack my brain to see if I'd sinned recently. And I'd say to myself, I don't sin. I'm a good Christian. I don't need to repent or ask for forgiveness. Just as Travis said last week, my inability to see and know my sin inhibited me from understanding and receiving my intrinsic need for a savior, for the grace of God to ever become who I'm really supposed to be. 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. For the first time in my life, I was being exposed to myself and how far I was from the measure of goodness and perfection I had so vainly pursued. My goal had never been God himself, but his gifts and his fruit I could see my own self-righteousness and my proclivity to be judgmental. And in a moment, I didn't know who I was anymore, what the gospel was, or who I could trust. And I wanted nothing to do with the Christianity I'd been given, especially regarding the spiritual things. I did not know what Jesus' physical life Death and resurrection meant for my everyday, normal, physical life. And after realizing that I'd been hiding behind a bunch of fig leaves for so long, I felt like a total fraud. None of this made me want to draw closer to God. I actually wanted to walk away from all of it, not because I stopped believing in God, but because I felt so confused and angry and disenchanted and so outrageously grieved by my own sin. The light hurts and the love of God can be the most painful thing in the world. And still the truth will set us free. So since I'm being honest, never once as I sat in the reality of my sinfulness did I feel condemned by God. I felt condemned by myself, but never by God. And though I felt betrayed, I had never been betrayed by this outrageously good and perfect God. I had betrayed myself in refusing to humbly ask God every day to help me live in the light, while I instead continued to be a self-professing Christian shaped by charismatic evangelical Christian culture and still trying to save myself. In short, as I found myself in a puddle, disillusioned and cynical and unsure about what I really believed anymore, Somehow, I still knew Jesus was near, and I clung to him. I didn't know anything anymore, and he was the only thing I found myself holding on to with a closed hand. But everything else about this Christian life was up for grabs. People have asked me why I stayed, why Jesus was enough, and I don't have an answer that satisfies. Part of it is because I looked at friends and family members and people on social media who were also questioning, and most of them have walked away, and I didn't want what they had after they let go of Jesus. And part of it is because at my core, under all of my confusion and my doubt and bad theology, By grace alone, there was a mustard seed there that still lived, and I loved Jesus. So only by God's grace and leading, I found myself relearning what the Bible says about Jesus and what it says about me. That set me up to begin to rebuild what the Bible says about God the Father and the Holy Spirit and the spiritual things and what it says about community and the church the last two years, I've found myself engulfed in studying church history and theology because I'm finding that the questions I've had about this whole Christian life have been asked by countless people, and there are answers found within biblical orthodoxy because there is no secret knowledge as Gnosticism teaches, and every believer has the same access to the Holy Spirit and i'm finding a family of believers throughout the last 2000 years who literally died on the hills that are worth dying on the core tenets of the christian faith i've found brothers and sisters throughout history from a variety of denominations who lived with such a fiery and yet firm quiet faithful and sustainable devotion That is still compelling me to press in and grow in knowledge and love of God. That's the Christian life that I want. We're going to take communion together today. My whole Christian life, communion never made sense to me. Growing up, we took communion on Christmas and Easter and maybe a few other special Sundays in the year. And I never knew that for the vast majority of church history, and still today in other traditions and now at Radiant, believers practiced confession before taking communion. Communion held no meaning in my life or in my relationship with Christ because I didn't understand the gospel. Lately, that's been changing. While communion obviously makes me think about the Last Supper and Jesus on the cross, I also think now about Genesis 3. Adam and Eve have just sinned against God for the very first time, and they're hiding their naked bodies behind some fig leaves. After God has told them the consequences their sin will bring to themselves and the world, God makes the first ever blood sacrifice. He takes the skin of an animal and replaces their fig leaves with it, providing a better and more sufficient covering than their nakedness. But something had to happen before he clothed them. They had to undress and take the fig leaves off and be exposed in their nakedness before God and before themselves. An act of confession, of coming out of darkness and into light And they were not met with shame or condemnation or death, but with mercy and perfect love and promise of redemption as God wrapped them in this perfect sacrifice. A prelude to that promise fulfilled in the death and life of Christ, perfectly sacrificed and offered for us once and for all. The same sacrifice he was offering me when he let my mask fall to the floor. Taking communion is an act of working out the gospel in our everyday, normal, physical life. Of getting the gospel not just into our hearts and minds, but also into our bodies. Of taking the gospel in again and again and again as we confess that we cannot save ourselves and receive the gift of not having to try to anymore. Yeah. Ephesians 2, 8-9. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbycelia.com. Until next time. There is a heavenly city That I'm compelled to find Oh, I love the flowers and trees And the smell of the grinding sea And all the beautiful things here in life Ah. Uh...